Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. I am, of course, your host, Colin, and with six games left in the regular season, I think the fandom, Hurricanes fans as a whole, need a reset. We need to be reminded of what's happened this season, what the positives are, and what we should bring with us into the first round. Don't worry, though. I'm not bagging on anyone. I have also been dealing with the pit of despair that has appeared in our fandom since Andrei Svechnikov went down and ended his season in the most unfortunate way. But we're not going to focus on that anymore. We're going to focus on the positives. We're going to be get excited. We're going to chant our hearts out as we go into the Stanley Cup Finals because anything can happen. So why not take some positive vibes with us? Why not reset our attitude as we hope, pray, and cheer for another Stanley Cup in Raleigh? Roll the intro. 9,393 days of frustration. And on the 9394th day of NHL existence, the Carolina Hurricanes have won. Stanley Cup. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage, with historical perspectives, modern day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes. This is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. First, we're going to start with stick taps for the head coach. For 200 career wins since taking over the team, his overall record was 295-35 and in 330 games coached. He is the third fastest head coach to ever achieve 200 wins. And honestly, he could have achieved it faster if it wasn't for me. I apologize. I'm going to pull behind the court and let you guys know I'm the reason we went on that short little losing streak. There was like three, four games right there. He won game 199, and I had already written an article for Home Ice Advantage, the blog. Link down below. And I wanted a quote from Mike Maniscalco, but I had procrastinated. And then the day of game, what could have been game 200, I texted Mike Maniscalco rapidly. I was like, hey, um, uh, can I have a quote, please? And he sent it back and was immediately like, yeah, no, of course. And then we lost that night. And without me having to say a word, Maniscalco texted me. He was like, look, you jinxed it. Nice going. And the next like three times I saw him, it was, look, you jinxed it. And uh, yeah, I'm saying he had, he had really good blackmail there for like a good two weeks that he didn't use, thankfully. But either way, stick taps to Rod for the 200th win. But I want to talk about everything a little bit, okay? So we're going we're gonna to focus on specific players. We're going to... F- focus on specific events, but just really quickly, I want to run down the highlights so far. So, leading in goals, Sebastian Alho, 34. Second place, Martin Natchez, 27. Stahl, Brady Shane, Sveshnikov all round out the top three, I'm sorry, top five. Martin Natchez, and we'll get to why later, but leads the team in points at 68. Alho's not far behind him at 64. Barnes, Sveshnikov, and KK round out the top five. And because this game isn't all about points, I want to look at takeaways. One, Jacob Slavin, with no surprise, 
leads this category with 82 takeaways so far this season. Brett Pesci and Sebastian Ajo are tied at 57 for second. And then Brent Burns, Brady Shea, and Jordan Marnuk finish out the top five. For hits, again, very expected here. Jordan Stahl leads with 146. Svechnikov is second with 140, so he'd probably be leading if he hadn't gotten injured, but we're not going to focus on that. And then Natchez, I'm sorry, not Natchez, um, KK, Nason, and Faust round out the top five. I just wanted everyone to know this. You know, keep in mind, these are your top players. Ajo, Natchez, Slavin. No surprises there. I also do want to mention apples, though important. Apparently, kids these days... That sounded stupid old. I'm not that old. I'm not old enough to say kids these days. But apparently, younger hockey players in the year 2023 don't call them apples. They're just assists or helpers, which is strange. But either way, Brent Burns is number one with 42. Martin Natchez is just behind him at 41. Importantly, I pulled all of these stats before Tuesday's game against Ottawa, so it might be a little different now. And then Svechnikov, Ajo, and Pesci round out the top five. But I want to focus on Martin Natchez first. Natchez is, by all means, having a breakout season. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no debate. Martin Natchez is having a breakout season. Natchez not only put in the physical work this offseason, but he also put in the mental work. And it all stems from that exit interview last year, where I still believe it was overblown, but I understand people disagree with me, where he was like, yo... I, he did not say yo. Martin Natchez does not say yo. Maybe he does, but either way. He was like, anyways, uh, members of the esteemed press in front of me, I just talked to Rod, and basically we just need to have more trust in each other. I need to be able to put in the work. He needs to be able to trust that I will do well enough in these important situations. And you know what? Natchez spent all off-center, off-season, working hard. He went and saw a sports psychologist, which he credits for helping his game in an extraordinary way. It was this summer that I realized that the mental side is so important, and that if I can stay in the game for every shift, every game, and be confident, and be on my game every night, I'm going to play good and be consistent. That is what Martin Natchez said to Chip Alexander of the News and Observer in November of this year. And basically, he's, he's absolutely right there. And maybe that sports psychologist should the rounds for the entire team, and he has played much, much, much better. The consistency thing probably still needs to work on a little bit, but I'm not dragging him. He leads the team in points. And importantly, the tr- Rod has to trust me to be able to put me on the ice. In 2021, he ranked ninth on the team with 916 minutes played, and that was that shortened season, so it makes a lot of sense he wasn't over 1,000. Last season, 2022, he ranked 11th on the team of a roster of 21. So just, you know, just slightly below the middle with 1,267 minutes. This year, so far, he ranks six on the team in ice time, only underneath the, you know, do-it-all defensemen of Brent Burns, Jacob Slavin, Sebastian Ajo, best two-way player on the team. Martin Natchez ranks six, just under 1,400 minutes played. That literally shows you that Rod Brindamore trusts him more this year in harder situations. And in case you've been missing this season and you don't quite know why, I want to point two things out. So this season, obviously, leading the team in the points, Natchez has also shattered his career totals for goals and 
points. But here, here's the fun part. It was January 1st, not even halfway through the season, when he broke past 16 goals in just 37 games to tie his career high in goals. That was set in a 64-game season in 2019-2020. And then for points, it was just two weeks later when he broke his 42-point total uh, in just 47 games, which, again, broke his career record of 41 points in 53 games. Do you, like, take a second. Do you understand how insane it was for him to shatter his career records not even halfway through the season yet? That's how much improved Martin H's is. And earlier in the year, very early in the year, because Rod Brennamore got away from it, uh, the confidence line of Kakanyemi, Natchez, and Svechnikov were amazing. Spectacular. One of the best lines in the league. Now, their play fell off, which is why he broke them up. I'm not going to say that they are still amazing. The advanced analytics don't look as good as they used to. But in the beginning of the season, they were unstoppable. And for Andre's part, he reached 100 career goals this season, but his two hat-tricks against the Edmonton Oilers is what will live in fans' minds on October 20th, and then just a few weeks later on November 10th. He was the first Kane skater to achieve this since 1997-1998 when Sammy Kapanen did it against... Anyone know? Anyone know? Yeah, that's right. It was the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> just a random, nice little history fact for you there. Svech was only the seventh NHL skater since the year 2000 to get two hat tricks in either the regular season or playoffs to be under the age of 23. Only Malkin and Crosby in Pittsburgh, Jonathan Taves in Chicago, and then Forsberg and Pashtanak have done the same. That is a very good list to be on. For long-term success, you want to be those players. But, sadly, injury, when I can focus on that, good vibes only, guys. Come on, good vibes only. So switching over to Ajo, who scored his 200th career goal in January. He played in his 500th NHL game in March. But this season for Sebastian has just been absolutely rewriting franchise records. His 200th career goal was also the 16th shorthanded goal of his career, which tied Eric Stahl for the most in franchise history. His seven hat-tricks is now tied for third. He's fifth in points with 465, fifth in goals with 216, and sixth in assists. Sebastian Ajo is the future leader of this team. I know there's a debate between who will be the next captain of him or Jacob Slavin. That's a fine debate to have. But no matter what, whether it's an A or a C on his chest, Sebastian Ajo should be a leader in this market for a long time. And I know some of you are thinking, but wait, isn't his contract up soon? I would put my house on the fact that they are going to re-sign Sebastian Ajo. There's a couple people here, a couple people, that Tom Dundon would never let leave. One of them, Andrei Svechnikov. We already locked that down long-term, not worried about it. The others, Jacob Slavin, Sebastian Ajo. Jordan Stahl will play here until he decides to hang it up. That's just the philosophy Tom Dundon has on those players, and he's said it openly many of times. And for young players like Seth Jarvis, they're really working their way into that situation. 
By the way, Seth Jarvis recorded his first NHL hat trick in Montreal in February. His sophomore season hasn't been amazing, but he's on track to match his rookie season numbers, which is honestly what you want to see. The second season's always harder because people know how you play. People know what you're going to try to do. They know your style. So not only are you playing against much more experienced players, but you're also trying to grow your own game. And that's incredibly hard. That's where the sophomore slump idea comes from. Even though a sophomore slump isn't real, it's that everyone else has unfair expectations. But I'm not going to jump on a soapbox right now. Everyone calm down. Continue listening. Switching over to the Blue Line owners, if you had placed a bet on which defenseman would lead the team in goals by April, the safe bet would have been Brent Burns, 100%. If you were looking for more of a dark horse kind of bet, maybe Dylan Coughlin. He looked great in the preseason. He had that injury early on in the year, and things haven't worked out. But, you know, dark horse bets are dark horse bets. I do not think anyone would have guessed Brady Shea would lead the way with 17 goals. There was a real chance that Brady Shea could get 20 goals this season. Brent Bournes is at 14, and Jacob Slavin and Jalen Chatfield are at 7 and 6, respectfully. Respectively. Respectfully? Which one is it? Doesn't matter. You guys know. Last season, Shea matched his career high in points and set a new career high in goals at 9. That's what makes this season so incredible. He really did just pop off. In the words of the notorious Kane Stats Twitter account, it's Brady Shea's year. And if you need evidence of his spectacular year, I'll give you his first career power play goal from December. This isn't to say that Brent Burns hasn't built a decent season in his own right. In fact, I was wrong. Early on, if you listen to this show, or I think I said it on Sorgecast and Morning After Podcast with Adam Gold, that I was really worried about Brent Burns finding his groove, understanding what his role was with this new team. Because early on, he was making a ton of mistakes thinking he had to do everything. I mean, not trusting Jacob Slavin to have his own man is just insane. But also, you understand it because when he was in San Jose, he was basically responsible for everything while he was on the ice. Now, going into April, okay, I was wrong. You know, hand up, hand up. We can admit it sometimes. I was wrong. I shouldn't have been worried about it. And that's what people were saying early on, and I just... I couldn't get past it. For a while, he had a chance to catch Mark Howe's 80-point franchise record for points by defenseman in a single season. That's no longer a possibility, unless he absolutely pops off these final six games, which is highly unlikely. Um, But, nonetheless, Brent Burns has another two years after this season under contract with the Hurricanes. And, first, I, I, you know, the Slavin pairing could really use some consistency because it's, it's you know, this is the third year with a different partner for Jacob Slavin, so I'm sure he's going to enjoy having the same partner next year. But while he didn't break Mark's Howe record this year, I fully expect him to do it next year. There was no way in my mind that Brent Bourne's now a full season with his defensive partner, now a full season of trying to run PP1 or PP2, because Rod likes to change it, won't be better. He will know our system better, at the very minimum, which leads me to believe he'll get more points, and he's already fairly close this year, so I fully expect him to break it next year. But I want to talk about our goalies now, 
specifically Kochekov and Auntie Ranta. Frederick Anderson shouldn't be left out of the conversation, but it has clearly been Auntie Ranta's year, and then Kochekov is just the good story that we all love to see. So we can focus on their scoreless streaks, because they both had it in the month of December. Kochekov did it first, with the seventh longest scoreless shutout streak, whatever you want to call it, um, stretch in franchise history at 151 minutes and 26 seconds, which is also the rookie record. So he's in the record books for that. And then, not to be outdone, I, literally just a few weeks later, Auntie Ranta was like, excuse me, kid, you know, I'm a veteran in this league. So he went 163 minutes and 54 seconds without allowing a goal, which is the third best in franchise history. Just absolute insanity on their part. Kochekov was only the third goalie to do it, and then Ranta was the fourth goalie to do it in franchise history. Kochekov is also the first goalie in franchise history to get a shutout within his first five games as a rookie. He is the fastest goalie to record two shutouts in only 14 games, beating the previous record held by Alex Nadelkovich at 17 games. And he was the first goalie since 2003, November of 2003 specifically, to post back-to-back shutouts. Antiranta would do it again later that month, but it was the first time since Kevin Weeks did it in 2003. But I don't want to make this all about Kochekov. You know, there's plenty of that online. But ultimately, it is the tandem. The three rotation. So, Freddie Anderson has played the most games this season, which actually is a little surprising. At 31 games played. He has one shutout. He's won 20 games and posted a 9.04 save percentage and a 2.42 goals against average. Rata and Kuchekov have both played 24 games. Their stat lines are kind of similar. Antti Ranta has a .910 save percentage, and Kochekov has a .909. They also both have four shutouts. By the way, the nine shutouts this year leads the NHL at the current moment. The only difference is that Kochekov allows slightly more goals per game. Antti Ranta is a 2.22, and Kochekov's a 2.44. And I want to talk about Auntie, Father Finn, Mr. Ranta, whatever you want to call him. Auntie Ranta is so incredibly underrated by Carolina Hurricanes fans. It's almost criminal. Almost. In 52 games played for the franchise, he holds a record of 32-7-7. Six of those being shutouts. Yeah, in 52 games played, Ranta's only left the ice without at least one point in the standing seven times. Seven times. And we all talk about this guy like he's nothing. Auntie Ranta might legitimately be the best backup goalie in the league. He would be the starter on a lot of bad teams. And we just... You know, who cares? We have Freddie Anderson, who hasn't played up to standard this year. And we have Pyotr Kochekov, who isn't ready for primetime yet. That kid is really good. Don't get me wrong. But he can't single-handedly win you a cup. He's not Podor. He's not Vasileski. He's not Flory yet. He can be. He has the potential, but he's not yet. Yet, Auntie Ranta, 
has been a staple of good goaltending for this franchise, and we should not overlook that. Again, 52 games played, 32-7-7. He's only lost in regulation seven times. It's, an, it's, it's absurd. Absolutely absurd. If you want to zoom out and look at the big picture, look at all 24 guys on the roster, 21 guys on the roster, whatever, you know, mind slips, but the team itself has been incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yes, they've had their downturns, but overall, they have had more stretches of success than they have had stretches of, oh my god, what's happening? This year, the team hasn't gone more than two games without getting at least a point. Even during their five-game losing streak in November, you remember when we were all panicking, like, oh my god, it's over, it's all over, how could this happen? In those five games, which again, they lost, they still picked up four points. Find me another team in the league that can drop five games in a row, and in that time, still add four points in the standings. That, if you want to focus on any reason why they can still win the Metro, it's because of that. Their 11-game winning streak in December was the longest in franchise history. Their 7th game winning streak in January, the ninth longest. And just for good measure, their 5-game winning streak in February was the 29th longest. Just thought I'd throw that in. Their 17-game point streak from November until the 4th day of January, longest in franchise history. Their 10-game point streak in January, ninth longest in franchise history. This team has sustained success, and we are on track to match our best season, regular season in franchise history. Out of the 75 games we have played so far, we have outshot our opponents 59 times. In those 59 games, the record is 39-16-4. 39, 16, and 4. I am the first one to complain about our quality of shot and not putting someone in front of the net. Forced to complain about it. It makes no sense to me to be taking all these shots from the point when there's no one in front of the net for the rebound or to tap it in or to deflect it or any of it. We don't do that except for Stefan Nason. And that bothers me. But the record shows that even if they're not the best shots ever, it leads to a W. So, you know, take it as you will. Be upset if you want to. Don't be upset if you want to. But ultimately, they're doing fine. They still have the second best penalty kill in the league at 84%, only below Boston. And they're, again, last ride magic of 86.9. The power play is 20th in the league, which... I mean, we could do an entire episode on what's going on with the power play. No, it's not Jeff Daniels' fault. Yes, we probably should hire someone. No, I don't think Rod wants to. And ultimately, the decision lies with him. A weird thing uh, that I saw when I was doing the research for this episode is the Hurricanes opened the season on the, I think it was like a five-game winning streak or three-game winning streak, I don't remember. But of their first three games, they only allowed three goals in three games. That's insane. That's a good record. That's, That's a hell of a way to start a season. But it wasn't until December that the team went absolutely hog wild. It was only the second month in franchise history with at least five games played that the team didn't lose in regulation. The last time it happened was October of last season when they went 8-0. 
It was the third best month in franchise history, only below March of 2017 when they went 10, 2, and 5, and January of 2006. Hopefully that was a good year. Don't know. Anyways, when they went 13, 1, and 0. This season so far, they could become the 27th best team in NHL history by points. So, the entire point of this episode, we're here. We're ready. Hopefully, you have gotten some good mojo in your veins. You're thinking, yeah, oh my god, this team's great. I didn't even mention the hat-tricks this season from Sebastian Ajo. Well, I did mention Svechnikovs, but Ajo had three. Svech had two. Marnock had one. Seth Jarvis had one. Torbo had one. That's great. Though eight hat-tricks this season set the franchise record that was originally set back in 1985-1986, which is the best Whalers team to ever take the ice. The team's 11 short-handed goals ranked seventh in franchise history. Three of them coming from Sebastian Ajo, which is no surprise, and two of them coming from Torbo, which is no surprise. That's the Finnish magic. It's the first time that they've gone to 11 since 2018, or I'm sorry, 2014. And Marnock, Brady Shea, Jordan Stahl, Jalen Chatfield, Kakanyemi, and Seth Jarvis also contributed. Guys, do you hear all those names? Everyone is contributing. Get excited. Get pumped. This team is good. Are we as good as we could have been? No, there was no debate there. This team is not as good as it could have been with Pacioretty and Seth, uh, Seth Jarvis, excuse me, and Andrei Svechnikov. That is a truth. But this team is also not bad. I don't know why. I am concerned. Let me phrase it this way. I'm concerned about some level of play recently. And I'm concerned about long-term trends involving the team, mainly not knowing how to finish. That concerns me, especially in the playoffs when like, your main job is to finish against elite goaltenders who have decided that they are just not going to allow you to score. And that is concerning. But I'm not going to say that this team has no chance to win a Stanley Cup. It is just harder now. It's more about enjoying the ride now than it would have been with Pacioretty and Svechnikov in the lineup. But that doesn't mean the season's over. That doesn't mean I should complain about everything and woe is us, I can't believe these things always happen to the Hurricanes. It just becomes about the ride. We just enjoy ourselves. And hopefully, everything I've shared this episode gives you the energy to enjoy the rest of the season. Enjoy these final six games, the game tonight in Ottawa. And just, you know, chew on the team. Be a Kaniac. Enjoy yourself. As always, thank you for listening to Home Ice Advantage. The echo is gone. There's my chair squeaking, so I'm going to have to get a new chair. But besides that, you know, production quality is better. Uh, please share the show. Subscribe to it if you haven't already. Rate us and review us if you have the time. Follow me on Twitter at Colin Home Ice. Check out the Home Ice Advantage blog linked down below. And until next time, go Canes. <laughs>